Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Come on, is anybody thankful for the Word of God this morning? Come on, if you trust Him, why don't you give God some praise? Amen. Amen. Anybody excited to be in church today? Amen. Thank you, worship team. I'm excited. We're continuing in a series called Building Beyond here that will conclude on December 3rd as we bring an offering and make a commitment for the expansion of not just this house, but the kingdom of God. And I want to jump right into the word today. If you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read a couple of verses, so bear with me. But if you're ready for the word, somebody shout, I'm ready. Matthew 25, let's start in verse, let's start in verse 14, and we're going to read all the way down to verse 30, 14 to 30. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey, called his servants and entrusted his wealth to him. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. He is still on He's still on that journey. Anybody excited for him to return from that journey? Amen. But the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things come and share in your master's happiness. But the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and buried your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. Well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Jesus sounds like the stock market, amen, somebody. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is this week three of Building Beyond here or is this Salty Jesus part 10? Find a neighbor and tell them, neighbor, God's been good to you. Come on, say it with your chest. Say, God's been good to you. Say, God has blessed you. Say, God has gave to you. So help announce my sermon title. Tell them, don't bury the bag. Don't bury the bag. Let's pray together. Long prayer, long prayer, long prayer. Don't bury the bag. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for meeting us here. Change us from the inside out. Speak today. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Everybody said, come on, everybody said, hey, touch somebody next to you and tell them don't bury the bag. Don't bury the bag. Don't bury, don't bury the bag. I am ready to preach today. I hope you got your notes ready. We're gonna have some fun today and have a really good and powerful conversation. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. I wanna wanna start out, I saw a documentary recently and it reminded me of a really powerful story. I wanna start out and we're gonna play Guess Who This Is. Guess Who This Is. So we're looking at your notes for just a second. I know you wanna get to heaven, but we're gonna get there one day. Can anybody tell me who this is a picture of. Woo, Michael Jordan, the GOAT, 
of all goats, six-time MVP, six-time championship, the greatest player of all time. And if you debate it with me, God don't love you no more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Grew up to be the greatest of all time. You know you're the goat when they come up with the word goat just for you. When you are your own category, when people say you are the Michael Jordan of blank, you know there isn't even a close second. Now I want to show you another picture of a of a kid, and I want you to guess who this is. Any guesses? This is the greatest legend you've probably never heard of. This kid is a kid by the name of Lynn Bias. Lynn Bias. Years ago, one of the greatest coaches to ever live Coach Krzyzewski, Coach K from Duke, was quoted saying these words. During my 24 years as a coach, the two greatest players we have ever faced were Michael Jordan from the University of North Carolina and Lynn Bias, who played for the University of Maryland. Lynn Bias was six foot eight, 225 pounds of pure muscle. He was fast, he was strong, and he would dunk on anybody that stood in his way. Lynn Bias was the LeBron James before there was LeBron James. Interesting though, when I asked if anybody knew who he was, no one said his name. Lynn Bias would go on to get drafted as second overall pick to the Boston Celtics to play alongside the great legend, Larry Bird. Right after signing, Reebok signed him to a deal hoping that Lynn Bias could do for Reebok what Jordan did for Nike. However, unfortunately, that never happened because two days after he was drafted, just months before he would take the court for the very first time, a 911 operator received a call. And on the other end of that call, they were told that Lynn Bias had passed out and died from a cocaine-induced seizure. Just four days after his death, 11,000 people gathered into an arena to celebrate the life and legacy of the greatest basketball player to never play in the NBA. There's only really one big difference between Michael Jordan and Lynn Bias. Michael Jordan is someone who maximized his potential. And unfortunately, Lynn Bias was someone who buried his. Come on, touch a neighbor and tell them, don't bury the bag. One word I think sums up those two stories, and it is potential. Potential. Why don't you touch a neighbor and say, you have potential. <laughs> now, that could be a really good compliment or a really negative one. <laughs> Depending on the season of life you're in, telling somebody they have potential when they're a kid, that's a good thing. But if you're a grown adult and you're 45 and somebody's like, yeah, you kind of got some potential. It's kind of a backhanded compliment, isn't it? But how many of you know you have potential? And it makes me wonder what bag of potential you're burying. P potential is powerful. Potential will push you into your purpose. Potential is untapped power. Potential is the skill, the ability, the talent that lays dormant deep within you and for many people never comes out of them. Dr. Miles Monroe said that the wealthiest place on the earth is the cemetery because in the cemetery are buried bags of potential. He says in the cemetery, it's full of bags of books that were never written. Bags of dreams that never become a reality. Bags of songs that no one will ever get to hear. Bags of ministries that could change the world. Bags that got, that got buried. As I prepared this week, I just wondered, is there some bags in your life that you're burying? Some bags that God has blessed you with but for whatever reason, somewhere down the line, 
You didn't see the potential in those bags because humans typically aren't the best judge of potential. Amen, somebody. Because we tend to look on the outside, but how many of you are thankful that God doesn't just look on the outside, but he sees on the inside, he sees the heart, and he says there's some potential in you. Amen. But I think so many times we, we bury our potential. In Matthew chapter 25, I think it's a great story of potential. He says that the master entrusted his money or his wealth to him. Now, which is really interesting that of everything that the master could have given his servants, he chose to give them bags of gold. He chose to give them money. See, we don't like talking about money in church, but we don't realize a lot of times is that money was talked about more than heaven and hell combined. The second most talked about topic in the scriptures are money and possessions. So it's interesting that the master would give, it says, one, he gave five bags of gold. Somebody say five. Another two, say two. And another one, say one. So here's what I wanna do really quick. We're gonna go back to children's church. I, need, I just need three volunteers right now. Three people, I need you to come up on this stage right now. I'm not gonna make you talk. I know everybody's afraid of that. It's cool, I got the mic, you don't. Give me three people. Come on, one, come on, three people, three people, three people. Come on, Mitch. Come on, let me get a woman. Let me get a woman. No, 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 sit down. You come up. Come on, Kurt. Come on, Mitch. Give me one. Give me a girl. Come on. Come on, girls. Come on, lady. Come on, right in the back. Come on. She got you first, Miss Rhonda. I'm sorry. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. Just sit right here. Just stand right there. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah, no, you're not putting your feet in the dirt. Just, just follow along, Mitch, okay? All right, can you tell everybody your name? I'm Catherine. This is Catherine. Y'all give it up for Catherine. Your name, sir? Mitch. Mitch, man of God. So glad you're here. And your name? Kurt. Kurt, man of God. So glad you're here. All right, y'all give it up for him. So here's what the master says. He says, um, I trusted my wealth or a talent, your version may say, to each one of these servants. Now, here's what I find interesting. A talent, theologians believe, would have been equivalent to $1.5 million. Whoo! Anybody wish a master would give you $1.5 million? So he says this, he says, here's what I did. I gave five bags to one servant. Here you go, Miss Catherine. I gave two bags to another, and I gave one bag, sorry about that, Kurt, to this servant. (laughs) Go ahead and open them up, open them up, open them up, see see what's in them, see what's in them, see what's in them. So one of these bags would have represented $1.5 million. And and as you open them up, uh, why don't you tell me what was in your one bag? $20. $20. Woo, there we go. What was in your bag? $40. $40. No woos for $40. You do know 40 is more than 20, right? I just, I just want to make sure. And then in your bag, I think we can catch the trend. What do you think you have? A lot of money. A lot of money. Is it a million and five? Not quite. No, because we're balling on a budget around here. It is not a million and five. So what we did is, to make it simple, we gave you five $20 bills for $100. Come on, y'all give it up for $100. Amen. We gave $40 and... Now, if you're watching this, especially if you're millennial and Gen Z, you're just looking for an opportunity for injustice. So here it is. Notice that each one of them didn't get the same amount. If you read the scripture, what it says is he gave five to one, two to another, and one to another based upon their abilities. So what that means is, is that before the master gave them the bags, he was watching them. Can I tell you? God is actually watching your life. God is watching what you do with what he's already given. So we all have different talents. We all have different skills. We have different abilities. We have different jobs. We have all of these different things. And and a lot of times what we wanna do is, is we wanna scream not fair, but maybe, just maybe, you have what you have because that's what you can handle. Oh, y'all don't want to help me preach today. So, so, so for some of us, like you're, you're praying for a new house, but you only know how to clean your room. You're, you're praying for a new spouse. You don't even know how to love the one you have. You want a new car, but there's crumbs from a month ago still sitting in your car. So why would, some of you are praying for a new job. Why would God give you a new job if you can't show up to work on time? So maybe just maybe, I know this is a harsh teaching, but maybe you have what you have because that's what you can handle. And if God gave you what you asked for, the blessing would become a burden because it would crush you. If God gave you an answer to every single prayer request you made, if he gave it to you, he gives you what he gives you because he believes that's what he can handle. How does he know what he can handle? Because he's watching. So here he is. 
And he gives five to one, two to another, and one to another. Now, what he says next is he says, the one he entrusted five bags to, he said that she went off the stage and went to work. You can go off the stage. Yeah, 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 you can go off the stage. And that's yours. You can keep it. You don't have to give it back to me. Amen, somebody. Use it. That's why I always say it pays to be in church. Come on, somebody. All right. You got two bags. It says that the servant with two bags went off the stage and put his money to work. Amen, somebody. But the servant with one bag, one bag, Kurt. The servant with one bag didn't go off the stage and double it. What did he do? He, he buried it. You can bury, bury it, boy. That's what you did. He buried the bag in the dirt. And what does he say? He said, you wicked and lazy servant, get off the stage. You don't get no money. And we're going to talk to you later. My Kurt. Y'all feel bad for Kurt. What's interesting is Kurt's one of the most hardworking men I know. Amen, somebody. God orchestrated that moment right there. Don't, don't get offended, Kurt. And then he says, he comes back from his trip. He returns. And when the master returns, watch, he expects a return. So when the master comes, he says, hey, 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 I gave you some things. And when I come back, I don't expect you to just give me what I gave you. I expect you to multiply what I gave you. So what he does is he says, take the one who only had one bag and chose to bury the bag. Take that one and throw him out, cast him out. He don't get nothing. But here's what's interesting, because some of you think that God is greedy. And God's after your money. Remember, God don't need your money. Because every bag that they were given started with God. It all belonged to God. God then gave it to them. But here's how you know God's not greedy. If you pay attention to the text, God didn't take the one bag and he didn't start digging his hands in the dirt and finding that bag wherever he buried it and, and, and decide, you know what? I'm gonna keep it for myself. No, 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 no. What did he do instead? He says, I'm gonna take the one bag and I'm gonna give it to the servant who had five bags. Where's Miss Catherine at? Miss Catherine, come get your other bag. Come on, you know why you get this bag? Because you can be entrusted with this bag. If I was real old school, I'd have walked all the way to her, but we ain't got time for all that today. He says, see, see, a lot of us think that God is greedy. God's just in it for your money. No, 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 no. The question then becomes this. Why would he give the one bag that the man buried to the one who multiplied the five? Because God blessed you to be a blessing. Everything God has given you, he didn't just give it to you to bury. He didn't just give it to you to blow it. He gave it to you to grow it. And so he says, hey, because you've been faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. And the one who's not faithful with little, even the little they have will be taken away from them. So, so see, God doesn't need, God don't need your money. So then here, here's the question, why would he bury the bag? Why do we bury the blessings that God gives us? Watch what he says here in verse 24 and 25. We're going to dive into this text. He said, master, I knew, somebody say knew. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went out and buried your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Why did he bury it? Because he says, I knew you were a hard man. Hold on a second. A hard man? I don't, I don't see anybody in this passage being a hard man. In fact, the master gave him $1.5 million in a bag of gold. And you're gonna say he's a hard man? Do you know anybody passing out bags of gold? And he yet, he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You only gave me one bag? See, what happened is he says, I was afraid. Somebody say afraid. I was afraid of the master. So here's what he did. He made assumptions about the master, not based on 
the master's integrity, but on his own insecurity. Can I ask you a question? Are you making assumptions about God based on the character of God or based upon your own insecurity? He says, I, I knew, I, I, I assumed. I love what A.W. Tozier says. He says, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Why? Because what I think about God, my theology determines how I live with what he's given. So he says, I, I, I knew you were a harsh man. God, I'm, I'm afraid of what might happen with the bag you gave me. And so instead of growing it, I buried it. Because I was afraid of what you would do if I lost it. It's the difference between this. It's the difference between I, I, I messed up and, and dad's gonna kill me. And I messed up, I better call dad. One is religion, the other is gospel. One is, oh my gosh, I messed up. What is dad gonna do? He's gonna punish me, he's gonna beat me, he's gonna hurt me. But the other is, no, I failed, I messed up, I sinned, but I got a good God that forgives me whose grace is greater than my sin. And so I'm calling dad because I need dad's help. Why? Because God is a giver. If you look throughout all of history, all throughout the scriptures, one of the first things you will notice about our God is that God is a giver. He says, I knew you were a harsh man even though you gave to me. I was afraid, so I, I buried your money. See, here's what fear does. Faith sows what God's given. Fear will bury it. And let me tell you why. Because fear always leads to scarcity. Say scarcity. Fear will always lead you to, I, I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. You are scarce. You are skeptical that the master would actually give you anything good. So rather than putting to work the bag of blessing he's given you, you bury it. And scarcity, watch, it does not start with your money. It starts with your mindset. The whole problem started here. He assumed, he thought, he was afraid. Scarcity then becomes a cycle. I've taught on this principle a lot. And somebody asked me the other day when I was running through my notes with them, why are you teaching on this again? Because I don't think we've gotten it right yet. I think many of us still have a mindset of scarcity where the first thing that happens is God gives you the bag and the first thing we do is we consume it. Two ways, you bury it or you blow it. So God blesses you, you get paid, you, you get a blessing, whatever that may be, but because you're afraid, you either blow it or bury it because you don't wanna lose it. And then what happens? You fear because you lack See, I think one of the reasons why the man buried the one bag is because he started comparing it to the other bags. I wonder if you're burying your blessing because rather than focusing on what God gave you, you're focusing on what God gave everybody else. See, the moment you take your focus off of what God's placed in your own hand and you focus on what God's placed in everybody else's hand is the moment you fail to maximize what God has supplied you. And I think, I wish that the scripture implies that the master divided them, the bags of gold in front of each other. Wouldn't it have been so much better if he would have just pulled them into a room and gave them secretly? But instead he goes, no, 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 here it is. Here's what I'm giving all of you. And we're like, well, that's not fair. See, the difference between these three servants is the one with one bag had a mindset of scarcity. The other two had a mindset of abundance, say abundance. So rather than consuming and fearing and lacking, the first thing they understood was that whatever I get, 
I'm called to multiply and grow, or the scripture says to sow, and when I sow generously, I reap generously. This is, this is kingdom principle. That he whoever sows generously will reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you will, sow, you will reap sparingly. So here he gives it to him, and this man falls into this mindset of scarcity. I've never had enough. But I think there's three things I saw from this text I wanna show you, and this is one that all of them got right. So I know we've been picking on one bag Kurt over here, but there was something they all got right, that they all understood. And if we're gonna build beyond here, if you're gonna build a life beyond here, if you're gonna leave a legacy that after you die lives on more than just material possessions, but purpose, if you're gonna build beyond here, you have to get these three principles. And the one thing I think all of them got all of them brought back the master's money. In fact, even the one who buried it comes to the master and says, see, here is what belongs to you. If you're taking notes, write this down. God owns everything. Only one amen. Still quiet. God owns everything. God is the owner, not you. The scriptures say that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. James says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly light. So every good thing in your life is from God for God. Everything in your life comes from God, every good and perfect gift, every blessing, every bag, every bag given to you comes from God, but it's not for you, it's for God because God owns everything. So you've been given a bag of blessing, every good and perfect Gifts. Some of you were given a job that you've been complaining about because you hate your boss. That's a bag. Some of you were given a spouse that you don't like because they don't do everything you want them to do. That's a bag. Some of you were given a house. Some of you were given kids. Some of you were given family. Some of you were given friends. Every single person in this world has been given bags of blessing. Amen, somebody. Unfortunately, what we do is, is when God gives us the bags, we bury them because we're afraid to lose them. But how many of you know your spouse is a blessing? How many of you know your spouse is a blessing? I'm trying to help somebody tonight. How many of you know, men, your wife is a blessing? How many of you know, ladies, your husband is a blessing? How many of you know that your job is a blessing? Your house is a blessing. Your kids are a blessing. Your car is a blessing. Every breath that you have, understand, you are living on borrowed breath. That if God didn't breathe into your life, you wouldn't have breath to breathe today. Come on, waking up today was a blessing in and of itself. Come on, I wish somebody would praise God right now for the bags of blessing he's given you. God is a giver so much so that he would give his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on, God has blessed you with everything he's blessed you with in Christ for his good and for his glory. And he says this, when I bless you, when I save you, when you believe in me, don't you dare bury the bags that I've, that I've given you because those bags are your life. Come on, touch your neighbor, say, don't bury the bag. Don't bury the bags. So what bags are you burying? God owns everything. Man, I pray you would get it in your spirit. Say, God owns everything. Point number two, I own nothing. I got more amens on you owning nothing. <laughs> Somebody say scarcity. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God owns everything, but we own nothing. God's the owner. What does that make me and you? It makes us the steward. Steward is another word for manager. 
So everything God's given you, God owns. A steward is someone who takes care of something that's not their own. A steward values things like an owner, but thinks like the manager. A steward is not someone who just gets the bag and buries the bag. Every good steward knows to sow. Every good steward, scripture says, should think like a farmer that scatters seed. Did you know that a farmer has never cried when he scattered seed? Why? Because that farmer knows the more seed I sow, the more harvest I get. That the more I sow, the more potential goes into the ground. So here's what a farmer understands that we don't get. That when we give generously or that when we sow into the kingdom, we think that when we give, it leaves our life. But every farmer understands is that no, it doesn't lead your life. It leaves your hand, but they understand it's gonna show up in your future. So no farmer's crying over the fact that they had to sow seed. But instead they understand, wait a second. God gave me everything and I own nothing. Somebody say nothing. I can, listen, I can prove this to you. Some of you are looking at me all crazy. I can prove this to you. If you're like, oh, you're just using scripture, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course I'm using scripture. I'm a pastor. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I, take that out. Watch this. You think you own everything? You think you own everything? You think you own your health? Get, get a bad doctor's report tomorrow and see if you own your health. You think you own everything? Die, I dare you. You think you own everything? That house you think you own? Yeah, when you die, your kids are gonna sell that in this market. You think you own that car? You don't own that car. Let that thing break down on the side of the road and see who owns it. Say, God owns everything and I own nothing. And, and we, I know we don't like that. We like to think of ourselves as like, oh, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Parents, we like to think that these kids, they're, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. No, God gave them to you to raise them to know him. So it's your job to raise them, but God's job to save them. They don't belong to you, they belong to God. And I promise you this, if you treat them and raise them as if you own them, later on, they won't be around you. Every good and perfect gift God gives you comes from him. So it's not enough just to know that. You actually have to act on it. What, what a farmer understands is this. If, if, the, if the sower gives him the seed, if he eats the seed, it dies. If he stores the seed, it remains dormant. But if he sows the seed, it becomes dynamic. So we have to understand every blessing that God gives, it's not just for you. It came from God to you so God could get it through you. So God calls you and I to function as a river, not a reservoir. Because what happens is when the water has no outlet, it begins to stink. You know why the Dead Sea can have nothing in it? It's because all the water flows to it, but none of it goes out of it. Some of us are dead in our lives because God has blessed you with everything and you still feel miserable. Can I tell you why? It's because you thought the blessing was for you, but it was really to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. So God owns everything. I own nothing. But point number three, we all have something. Y'all ain't giving me no love. I'm glad I brought my own Holy Ghost today. <laughs> Say, God owns everything. I own nothing, but we all have something. Come on, anybody thankful for the something that you have? We all have something. We all have something. Every single one of us has been given bags of potential. Some of you are like, well, God's never given me anything. Nothing. God just gives to everybody else. But I'm gonna say it again. You woke up this morning, didn't you? Amen. God has given you something. The question is, is what are you gonna do with something? 
What are you going to do with the bags God gives you? And see, a lot of times we think we have nothing because we don't understand how God likes to answer prayer requests. Let me, let me preach this for a second. Follow me. A lot of you are expecting fully formed miracles, but God doesn't typically give fully formed miracles. He gives them in the form of a question or a challenge. So a lot of us are looking for fully formed trees, but God don't plant trees. God gives seeds. And so a lot of times, here's what happens. Believers, you, you missed the prayer request that God gave you because you're looking for a fully formed manifestation. But God's going, typically, I'm not giving you the fully formed manifestation. I'm gonna place something in your hand and see what you do with it. Some of you are sitting next to your prayer request right now and you're single and you've been praying for a spouse and God brought your butt in here and they're sitting right next to you today. Some of you forgot that the person you prayed for for 10 years is sitting next to you. Those kids that get on your last nerve, amen somebody, but those kids that get on your last nerve, that was one time a prayer request, amen. But what happens? We overlook it because we compare it. We start looking around and we're like, well, well, what about that? It's not fair. God gave them something. Yeah, but, but God gave you something too. God placed something in your hand. See, all you need is a seed. All you need is a seed. Because the scripture says that if you have faith the size of a mustard, you can move mountains. A lot of us are praying for the mountain, but God's given you the seed. A lot of us are praying for the provision and God gave you the job. But see, we, we don't wanna have to, to work it. That's what, that's what the first two servants did is they, they put what God gave to work. And so if I maximize the little God's given me, God can multiply, multiply my little into a whole lot. I know that don't make sense in the world's way, but thank God we're in the kingdom. That this is God's economy. So I know it doesn't make sense to those of you that are not followers of Jesus yet. You're like, how, how does that even work? I'm telling you that if you will learn to be faithful with the little that you have, God will take your little and turn it into a lot. If you will learn how to love the small, God will make the small significant. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. It reminds me of this little building on Maple Street that would sit about 150 people. And I knew when that building was given to us, somebody asked me, did you know that you'd outgrow it? This is gonna sound real cocky. And I said, yep. You know how I know? Because when you sow generously, you reap generously. Please don't think I'm talking about money. When you sow the gospel generously, you're gonna reap believers generously. We got enough watered down church. We got enough feel good Christianity. I don't know if this house is, is, is in alignment with me, but if you're here for feel good Christianity, this is not your house. But if you're here for the gospel, if you're here for the word of God, that's what has the power to transform. That's what never turns, returns void. And so we're gonna sow generously with what God has given. And I just think about that season where we were doing three, four, headed to five services in this small little building. But as I was preparing this week, God reminded me, you had a group of people who were faithful with the little, faithful with the small. Now it's time to build beyond here something significant. If you'll learn how to actually take the little, the little can become much. Give me some scripture, pastor. All right, I got you. <laughs> Second Kings chapter four, there's a widow who just lost her husband. The debtors are coming to take her boys and sell them as slaves if she doesn't pay her husband's debt. Second Kings chapter four, verse two says this. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Elisha's the prophet, the man of God, the, God, the man that God chose to speak through. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing 
there at all. Your servant has nothing. What do you have? Nothing. How's God blessed you? He hasn't. You know nothing? Nothing. Come on, touch your neighbor and say nothing. I ain't got nothing. And then she says this, except a small jar of olive oil. Well, that's something. No, no, no. You don't have nothing. You got something. And what did he say? He said, I want you to go around. I want you to collect the jars. And I want you to go into the secret place and I want you to pray. And as she did, the oil flowed. Some of you feel like you ain't got nothing. Can I tell you, you got something because the oil of God represents the spirit of God. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's breakthrough. Where the spirit of the Lord is, we can actually have life to the abundance, life to the full. You got something. Come on, touch your neighbor say, you got something. We all got something. You ain't got nothing, you got something. I know it's just a little, but God can take the little and turn it into a lot. You don't believe me, go to Luke chapter nine. Jesus is sitting in a crowd of 20,000 people. And it says, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing, say nothing. (laughs) Nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. We ain't got nothing. Jesus looked at him and said, nothing? All these people, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, are you expecting us to go buy enough food for this whole crowd? Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Why? Because when you give the little you have and you put it in the hands of God, God can take the little and make it much. You got something. I don't know what your something is. I just pray your something don't have you. They said, we ain't, we ain't got nothing. All, I mean, all, all, uh, all we have is this little boy's lunch. I want you to look and pay attention to the order. The first thing Jesus did was he acknowledged, God, you own everything. He looked up to heaven and blessed what he had. I own nothing. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many. I want you to pay attention how Jesus distributed the miracle. It says that he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Can I just tell you, the way God wants to use you is to get what he's given through you. The fish and the loaves weren't multiplied until it left the disciples' hands. I wonder what bag you're burying and what bag God gave you to be a blessing, to meet the needs of other people around you, to meet the needs, the hunger, the thirst that people have for significance. Don't bury the bag, multiply it. Don't don't blow it, grow it. God's blessed you to be a blessing. Finally, I wanna end like this. He said this, I love it. He says to the one that multiplied it by five, he says to the one that multiplied it by two, he looks at them and he says what I personally wanna hear at the end of my life, I don't know about you, but he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Five words there to focus on. Well, somebody say well. Well, say well. I don't know about you, I wanna do things well with what I've been given. Well, I wanna do it well. This is the spirit of excellence. This is not just getting by. This is not just lazy. I don't know about you, but whatever I'm given, I wanna do well with it. I I wanna do something significant with it. I want God to look at my life and go, and you did that well. Not, 
Well, we tried. No, no, I, I want to do it well. So our scripture says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you work at Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. I don't, I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a construction worker. Whatever you do, do it well. When people look at your life, they should go, man, there's something so different by the way you perform, the way you act, the way you serve. You just do things well. Second word is done. Say done. A lot of us are good at starting. We just can't finish. We're good at starting things. But rarely do we finish the things we started. God wants you to get good at getting done. Can I tell you why? Because God got it done. And he's faithful to finish the work that he started. The question he wants to know is, are we? If I give you something, can you finish well? That you learn how to be a finisher, not a starter. Can I tell you this? You need some people who not just start things well, but finish things well in your life. I, I will say it for years and years and years, if not for the rest of my life, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the reason Renovation Church is healthy and growing. The reason that I haven't made some dumb mistake is because God placed a man in my life by the name of Steve Briggins that didn't just start a church well, but finished a church well and said, this ain't about me. This is about the kingdom of God. Amen. Good. Say good. It speaks of your integrity. It speaks of your character. This is, I'm not cutting corners even if I see them. This is, I'm not manipulative. This is, I treat people right. I'm, I'm good. Are you good? You're the same person at church as you are on Fridays? Uh-oh. Are you good? Are you living a double life? Are you good? And he says, faithful. Say faithful. This speaks to your consistency, that you're stable, that you're faithful to your spouse, that you're faithful to your friends, you're faithful to your kids, you're faithful with your job, you're faithful with your money because stewards understand that I, what I'm faithful with in one season turns to me being fruitful in another. The result for fruitfulness, I ain't got time to even go here today, but the result for fruitfulness wasn't more money, it was more responsibility. So hear me, I'm not preaching a, a name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. I'm not saying if you give 10, God's gonna give you a thousand. What I am saying is if you'll be faithful with the little, God can entrust you with the much. Much more what? Much more responsibility, much more opportunities. And if you steward that right, it might turn into more money or it's just gonna turn into more blessing for everybody else. So he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Somebody say servant. You own nothing. You're a servant. You are a steward of all things. You're not here to get served. You're here to serve. I had somebody tell me one time, man, y'all, as a church, you, it seems like y'all expect people to serve. Yep. Well, I don't really like that. I don't really care. You know why? Because serving's not just something we do. Servants are who we are. There's no greater title in the kingdom than servant. At the end of your life, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So do I expect you to use the gifts God's given you to serve the house of God? Absolutely. If you're here just to consume and just take in, there are seasons for that. That's great. I'm not up here trying to manipulate or whatever, but I am helping you just understand that every bag God has given you, he wants you to invest it and see what God will do through it. So listen, you, you call this church home? It's, it's time for us to step up. It's time for some of us to use the things God's given us and actually serve. Because that's what we were created to do. Good and faithful servant. Amen, somebody? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray for you. I gotta close. I talked way too much today. But hear me. This trip the master's taking, he's gonna come back 
and he's going to ask you, what'd you do with the bag? What'd you do with the bag? There's two tests in heaven. Two tests in heaven. A lot of people don't know this. There's the great white throne judgment. That's the everybody test. That's the test everybody will stand before God. And that test will be, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you trust him or did you reject him? But then there is a second judgment known as the judgment seat of Christ. And he says, this is the judgment where he goes, hey, what'd you do with the bag I gave you? This isn't a matter of heaven or hell. This is a matter of what'd you do with it? Did you multiply it? Did you grow it or did you bury it? Two prayers today. I pray that if you're a believer in Christ, you would quit burying the blessings God's given you to bless other people. And then the other one is, listen, some of you have buried your life. You've buried your purpose. You've buried your peace. You've buried everything God's given you, you've kept for yourself and you feel dead. Why? Because you're buried. But the good news of the gospel is when they thought they could bury Jesus and put Jesus in a bag three days later, he came up from the grave because you can't bury him. He planted and now we can actually have life with God. So I'm just gonna pray that last prayer for those of you who've never received the grace of God. If you will, bow your head, close your eyes and pray this out loud with me. Say today, I give you my life. I'll no longer bury the bag. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Forgive me for my sin and set me free. I trust in you, Jesus. You just prayed that prayer today to receive the free grace of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you could have everlasting life. If that's your prayer on the count of three, just every head bowed, eye closed, just shoot your hand up, say today, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave so that my bag didn't have to be buried. One, God loves you. Two, you don't have to stay the same. Three, just shoot your hand up. I see you, I see you. I see anybody else. Just lift your hand high, no shame. I see you, I see you, I see you, wow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those hands lifted. I thank you for the grace that you've bestowed on every single one of us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, church, let's celebrate those who are raised to life in Christ today. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.